Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is going on, people? You know that sound, the unfiltered band means yes, another episode of Unfiltered coming your way. Right here, right now, officially, this will go down as episode number 228. You can jump on board the Unfiltered Revolution 24-7-365. It's simple. Get on board. iTunes, Spotify, Apple, everywhere that you get your podcasts. Of course, you can jump on the artist formerly known as Twitter. Exit, you will, at Casey Stern. Jump up into the bio. Get on the YouTube channel. Get all the interviews, conversations. Like, subscribe, tell your friends. Oh, my unfiltered rolls on as we thank you to the unfiltered band and thank you for joining us winter meetings has begun in nashville always one of my favorite times of the year certainly tugs on the heartstrings for me not being there uh always uh, enjoyed it although i didn't enjoy as much going around Opryland and trying to find my room which took about 35 minutes to give an average for anybody who's in the media who understands what I'm talking about, uh, winter meetings, it is a good setting in Nashville, but the hotel where it is placed, it is very difficult to find yourself. A GPS is needed for a lot of teams as they're trying to figure out where they are headed. We've already got some moves. We've got maneuvering. We've got rumors. And we have, thanks to the Eric Committee, uh, a new Hall of Famer in Jim Leland. We'll get to all of that. As always, we here on Unfiltered presented by our good friends at Bet Online, your number one source for your sports betting needs, latest odds, lines, and matchup reports, baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the latest and fastest and easiest way to get your wagers. Live betting, favorite casino, and card games, they're all available right now, right from your phone. Head over to the website today. Use your mobile device to sign up right now and get in on all the action. Remember, got to use the promo code BELIEVE. It's B L E A V. Get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online where the game starts as I get started here. And that is with a congratulations to Jimmy Leland for deservedly getting into the hall of fame. He was named on 15 of the 16 ballots in the election process during this meeting. Lou Pinella was uh, the closest outside of that named on 11. <clears throat> Bill White also listed on 10. You had Cito Gaston, Davey Johnson, and some other notable names in there. I, I for one think Lou Pinella is a hall of famer, but I said, and was thinking this as we were heading into looking at this list of names, if there was one that stood out that you knew had to, should be, and you would hope would get into the Hall of Fame, and he did get the nod, 15 to 16, he should have gotten it unanimously, was Jimmy Leland. Jim Leland was a game changer, a culture changer. When I think of Jim Leland, <clears throat> a couple of things come to mind. One, thinking of him, and speaking of winter meetings, because I used to see him, uh, outside often with the heaters, if you will, with the uh, Marlboro Reds. Uh, you think about him and, and the classic personality and, and all of that that energy that he brought in, you know, his, his way and his nature about the way that he managed the game and handled the media and handled his players. It's a terrific dude. But I think about a culture changer. I, I mentioned this many times in the podcast before, many times over the years, <clears throat> and, you know, this take nothing away from his time in Pittsburgh and obviously all the success that he had at the highest of championship levels with Florida. But you think about his time in Detroit and where they were after all that winning that they had experienced in the 80s and then going into the doldrums and then having Jim Leland come in and basically say, we're not going to accept losing anymore. We are not going to be this team anymore. We are going to make sure that this 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 emblem this jersey, these colors 
represent winning again here in Detroit. And even though I know that they got there a couple times and didn't win, I know that they were part of and lost, in my opinion, the most boring World Series probably that I've ever covered maybe all time in 2006. And the PFPs and the things that went the wrong way and, and, and not getting there. And we could talk about all the near misses, but if you think about the way that he changed things up in Detroit, where they were down here, and then going all the way up to being at a championship level, I mean, he was just that dude. And you know, had some great players over his time, <clears throat> from the Barry Bonds and Bobby Bonillas to the you know, Gary Sheffields of the world, obviously in Florida, to, you know, you're thinking about obviously, you know, Miggy and company and what he had in Detroit. But in the Justin Verlanders and many others who I've seen actually pop out and give some great comments on social media for Jimmy Leland here since the announcement. But, but congrats to him. I mean, he belongs in the Hall of Fame, should have always been there. 1,769 wins over 22 years in the big leagues as a manager. 2013 is last year in Detroit, 18th on the all-time managerial win list. Only Hall of Famer Joe McCarthy won more games among managers who never made the big leagues as a player. I'm so pumped for Jim Leland. And I love if you saw his reaction uh, with his wife and just, I mean, it just gives you goosebumps when you see the emotion and the, the raw, humble nature of the gratefulness of a Jim Leland for going into the Hall of Fame. So congrats to one of the greatest managers who's ever graced the game of baseball and deserved into the Hall in Jim Leland and best of luck, obviously to sweet Lou and to Davey and some of the other guys, if they get another opportunity opportunity is already knocked in terms of trade wins, the Atlanta Braves pulling one off last night on winter meetings, Eve, if you will, on the, uh, everybody travel into town evening and hang out in the lobby, get a few drinks night to uh, nurse themselves into a hangover before the winter meetings actually really get going. Cause that's where a lot of the media was a night ago. But the Braves acquired Jared Kalenic, met uh, legend, of course. Jared Kalenic, met legend. Marco Gonzalez, Evan White, uh, Jackson Coar, and Cole Phillips are going the other way. This was a surprise to a lot of us in terms of Kalenic getting traded, regardless of the fact that he's certainly already had his ups and downs in his time in Seattle. But when you look deeper into this deal, with no offense to Marco Gonzalez, who's had good years in his day, but those days were long ago, and you look at Evan White, this was a salary dump and an opportunity for the Seattle Mariners to just dump cash. And by doing you know that, they had to obviously put Kellenic in the deal to make this happen. The Braves on the other side get a replacement for Eddie Rosario. They get a left fielder. They get somebody who can go kind of step right in, who certainly has a combo of power and speed and, you know, athleticism and can do all of the things and has shown flashes of all of that. And, you know, he'll step into a lineup where he's not going to have a lot of pressure on him like he did in Seattle. Maybe some of that you know, self-imposed with some of what went on. But we know about him, you know, not getting brought up to the big leagues on time. That certainly did not start things in terms of that relationship in the great fashion. That all came out publicly. The last player, of course, left in that big uh, blockbuster trade that said Edwin Diaz to the Mets. Now he will face Edwin Diaz in a rivalry between the Mets and the Braves. So that'll be interesting to watch. As far as Marco Gonzalez is concerned, just coming off surgery, he was uh, four and one with a five-two-two ERA and fifty innings and ten starts before he got injured a year ago. He is a guy who is capable of being a really good back-end starter for the Braves, giving them good innings, a left-hander who understands how to pitch, not a thrower, but a pitcher. 
Evan White also coming into this deal. Evan White, uh, big time struggles and ended up losing the job to Ty France eventually of space. Trouble hitting, injuries the last couple of years. He's owed $15 million over the next two seasons with a $2 million buyout in 2026. So clearly, when you think about this money dump, you got $11 million uh, from Suarez. You've got now this deal as well. And between you know everything that the Mariners have done over the last couple of weeks, you wonder, is Jerry DePoto, because you never know, uh, Jerry's always making trades, Trader Jerry. Is he dumping this money now to go reallocate it? Are they going to go step back in now to the free agent market and pounce with some of this money that they've had that's opened up? Or are they going to sit there and just look at this as a money dump and we're looking at Seattle in some sort of punt formation? Doesn't seem to make sense, obviously, even though they took a little bit of a step back a year ago. So we'll see what happens with the Mariners. But for Kellenick, he gets a, a fresh start. This is going to be a good opportunity for him to be around a culture of winning in Atlanta. It's going to be a culture in which he could thrive in. It's going to be a culture in which he could hit down towards the bottom of the order and not have a lot of pressure on him because of all the thump and all the slug and all the speed that is in that just juggernaut of an offense for the Atlanta Brave. So an interesting deal, a pickup where Atlanta kind of takes on some money but gets Kalanick, and we'll see what happens with the salary dump and whether or not it's reallocated in terms of Seattle. Let's shift now from the trade wins and go to free agency and look at kind of where we're at with that for a second. Yamamoto is going to be in town and, you know, be having meetings in the U.S. Reports are over the next week. Obviously, the Mets and the Yankees, to me, are where you look at for that. It doesn't mean that the Cubs and other teams won't be involved. But there is just an exorbitant amount of pressure on both of these New York teams because of the need that they have and because of where Yamamoto fits. The Yankees and Mets are not going to be... You know, look, they were players at one point, but neither of them. And it's probably surprising if I would have asked you three, four years ago, or if anybody would have talked about, hey, where's Otani going to go if he ends up in free agency? You know, Yankees and Mets, certainly after Cohen came, would have been right there with the Dodgers. They're not going to be there playing in that. They both desperately need high-end pitching. The Mets more so than the Yankees. And that's why I think he'll probably end up there. But there's a desperation for the Mets and the Yankees to both get in on this player and to get that signed. So look for them to make the largest offers. We'll see what happens. But I think he'll choose one of the two teams in New York. As far as Otani is concerned, we hear about you know teams being cut down and numbers being cut down. Have no problem admitting if I'm wrong. But I think all of this is a song and dance that ends up with him on the Dodgers. All this is a song and dance that ends up with him netting the biggest profit that he can. You're going to be looking at a deal that's going to be somewhere probably around five fifty to $600 million, and that's without incentives that are going to be laden and then some in terms of how much he pitches. That's without an opt-out that's probably going to be in there somewhere maybe after a year three, but it's going to be a creative deal. It's going to be a Dodger deal regardless of, no offense, Jays and other teams that are in the mix, Cubs and others. My opinion, we'll see what happens and plays out with Otani. The biggest name that's getting mentioned, and this getting back into trade wins, and the one that's getting talked about a lot, and this goes back to the Yankees now as well, is Juan Soto. The Padres, the more that they played out there that Juan Soto had to be dealt, the more that other teams began to understand that, the more the other teams feel like they have some leverage. And because of that, teams like the Yankees do not want to give all of these prospects to go and get Juan Soto. But you cannot be choosy. You cannot be choosy when you're dealing with Juan Soto, who, look, I, you know, everybody's like, well, you're Ted Williams. You know, we're not making – you don't need to make comps. He's one of one. Juan Soto is a kid who has put up incredulous numbers, gets on base at, an, at a stupendous rate, 
And coming off of last year in the lineup that he was, the numbers that he put up, actually had a really, really good season. The expectations have been so exorbitantly high since he's sitting there 19 years old with the Nationals and obviously since he left them because of what he knew he's capable of, of being, let's say, the best hitter in baseball and having that capability that nothing's ever going to be good enough. But everything in San Diego seemed to be ridiculous. I mean, so looking at Soto, the only problem clearly is that you've got only a year left. So you're not trading for him if you, and given all those prospects, clearly, if you don't think that you can sign him, and I know that Scott Boris is there, but it is the Yankees and Yankee money, and they should be able to make some headway in, in doing their, their best that they can with dollars and putting him in a position where, look, if you're given as much money as anybody can give in the market and a reputable contract for Juan Soto, even though the Yankees not coming off championship, it's still the Yankees. You're still sitting there back-to-back in a lineup with Judge for all these years. And Juan Soto knows what that's all about. Got tons of charisma and I think would be great with the media and deal with New York fine and have no problem with that. Loves the spotlight. Clearly sitting there 19 years old, having no problem with the big stage. The Yankees are a great fit. I think the Yankees have to push the pedal. And this is the prospects are cool, parades are cooler if there ever was one. I mean, this is really what it's all about. If you're dealing with the Juan Soto trade and you think about the capability of this player, you have to go after it and go get it. If you make a mistake here and it doesn't end up to be worth the long-term deal you sign, or if you make a mistake here and you trade for him and you can't get him signed, either way, at least you did it for Juan freaking Soto. Go ahead and make that move. They have taken so many chances, gone with kids, done all these different type of things over the years that Brian Cashman's getting killed for. If you could spend all that money on Giancarlo Stanton and do what you did in the way back machine, and don't let that hinder you right now, you got the cash. You got to get out there and use the prospects because that is the capital you're using right now. It's in players, not in money. You got to bring in Soto and you got to try and sign them long-term. That's it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If you're the Yankees, it's just too good a fit. You, you're going to go bring in, look, I, I like, I like Cody Bellinger. All right. But you, you love Juan Soto. That's the difference. And if you're going to sit there and say, OK, well, if I don't get Soto, I'll bring in Bellinger or make a couple of moves. That's not enough when you got a chance to get Juan Soto. And look, I, whether it's Mike King or you're looking at Schmidt or whatever players they don't want to give in the don't want to give category. You've got young guys who are already up on the roster like Volpe and others who are not going to be part of this trade. And at some point, you got to use that prospect. Cool. If you got a chance to win. You got to do it. If you're a Yankee fan, you got to be ticked off hearing that there's any way there's an impasse to let some other team jump in. If some other team jumps in and gets Soto and the Yankees sit there, SOL, you know what, out of luck and don't get this deal done. You want to talk about egg on the face. There is a pressure sometimes that based on look, desperate times, desperate measures, right? The Yankees are in a spot where they just went through desperate times. You got desperate measures written all over you. You got to look at this that way in the Soto trade. You got to look at this that way if you're thinking about Yamamoto. We'll see where they end up in both of those spots here over the next few days. We will keep you posted here at Unfiltered on all things winter meetings that go on in Nashville. All the moving, all the shaking. You can get in touch all the time. Artists formerly known as Twitter or X, if you will, up into the bio at Casey Stern. Hit me up on the YouTube channel, and we will continue to go through all of these moves and what should be a very busy hot stove heating up here in Nashville over the next few days. Unfiltered. Another one. That's a wrap, of course, as always, presented by our good friends at Bet Online. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.